Hello, Door Creek Church. Welcome to today's online service. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you had a Merry Christmas, that your Christmas was blessed um, with your family or those that you got a chance to spend time with. Um, welcome back to, to our services. And uh, we're going to continue on here in our series, Come and See. So today's message is entitled, The Hope for a Messiah. Messiah means the anointed one, anointed one. So we have a hope for the anointed one, the Messiah. So as we study here uh, the Gospel of John, um, John's real um, fascinating uh, depiction of Jesus um, is, is as the Son of God, as the Son of God. Um, John's um, Gospel also is the only Gospel that really shows us in, in, in some detail disciples inviting other disciples. Of course, they weren't disciples yet, but inviting others to follow Jesus, who would eventually then become one of his uh, disciples. And then we also see here John is stressing for the readers and for the audience to focus on the Messiah, not the miracles. The miracles are great. The miracles are good. Who, who doesn't like a good miracle, right? But let's not get lost in the miracle. Let's get found in the Messiah. Because the Messiah is the one responsible for the miracles. As they say, don't get excited about the creature. Get more excited about the creator, the one who created, not the creation, but the creator. And so we want to focus on the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who comes to give us peace, the one who comes to deliver us from a world that's lost. Amen. So let's. Let's, let's jump into the word. We'll be coming from John the 7th chapter, finishing up the chapter here on um, verses 25 through uh, 52 as we'll be, we'll be finishing up uh, those scriptures. And so our first portion here is, do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Verse 25. At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah, the anointed one? But we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. All right. So they're, they're, they're looking at this. And remember, this is the time during the, fe the Feast of Tabernacles where, the, where the, the, uh, Israel was protected, where God um, blessed them with shelter and booths or tents. And they celebrate that annually, come together, and they celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. So remember Jesus, earlier in the chapter, Jesus was, was speaking um, with his brothers, and they were calling him demon-possessed, not his brothers, but others were calling him demon-possessed, and his brothers were putting pressure on him, saying, if you want to be known, then you got to go out and you got to speak. you got to let people know who you are. And Jesus said, well, you know what? You guys going up to the feast, and, um, and he said, I'm not going to go up. But then Jesus later came up. He changed his mind, later came up, but he came up secretly. But as soon as he started opening his mouth and began to talk, then he began to draw people. People were drawn to him. So this is where this comes in. So at the point, people in Jerusalem asked, isn't this man the one that you're trying to kill? Isn't this the man that you're after? He says, well, here he is. He's been delivered to us on a platter. Here he is. Go and get him. Here's your man. Here he is speaking publicly. But they are not saying a word to him. They are not bothering him. They are not messing with him. They are not charging after him. They are not doing anything. 
He says, but have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? Maybe that's why, because they've concluded that he is the Messiah. Well, let me tell you something, people. It's really not their call. He is the Messiah, whether you call it or not. He is the Messiah. But he said, but we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. So they're speaking of, of, of Jesus coming in this royalty, in this surprise fashion, in this very dramatic fashion, and, and they won't know where he comes from. He just pops out of nowhere. So, oh, the Messiah is here. We don't know where he comes. But we know this man is from Galilee. We know where this man is from. We know. So he could not be the Messiah. And it goes on. Jesus still teaching in the temple. He didn't let them stop him. He's still teaching in the temple courts. He cried out. Yes, you know me and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I am from him and he sent me. Huh? Jesus reiterated to them, listen. <laughs> yes, you know me. You know I'm from Galilee. Yes, you know that. But he says, that's not all about me. You know where I'm from. He says, but I'm not here by my own authority. I'm not here for my own sake, for my own, my own, my own glorification. Not right now. But I'm here by the authority of my father who sent me. He said, you don't know him, but I know him because he sent me. You know, later on, Jesus tells us, he says uh, that if you know me, you know the father and that. But th that's only uh, 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 um, set aside for those who believe. But because here they are not expressing belief in Jesus, they are expressing unbelief in Jesus. So Jesus is telling them, you are not grasping the truth because because you don't grasp the truth, the truth. You can't know the one who sent me is true. You don't know him. I'm not from there. I am from him. And you don't know that. See, Jesus was born where? In Bethlehem, Bethlehem of Judea. But he was raised in Nazareth, Galilee. So we got two different places here. Um, you can go with his nativity or his origin, you know, where he grew up. OK, his Bethlehem is where he was birthed. And that was all a part of God's plan because it was prophesied that he would be born in the city of Bethlehem, city of David. And then but he was raised in Nazareth. All right. So they are looking at that and they're saying this man could not be the Messiah. He could not be the anointed one. He doesn't look like him. He doesn't dress like him. Uh, he doesn't come from the stock of, a, of royalty. But Jesus still cried out. And verse 30 says, at this, they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. His time, it wasn't time for them to arrest him or to take him. Okay, God is in control of everything that happens. Trust in him. Still, many in the crowd believed in him. They said, when the Messiah comes, will he perform more signs than this man? So they are now looking at this says, some are believing, but then others are saying, well, I don't know about that because uh, when he comes, won't he do more than this? But really what they're saying, if another one is to come, if he's not the Messiah and someone else is to come, they've got to do more things than what he's doing. 
Because he's doing great things. He's doing things that we've never seen before. He's speaking words that we've never heard before. He's speaking with an authority that we've never witnessed before. So if there is another one coming, he's got to do better than this. (laughs) Hallelujah. And let me tell you, there will never be one who is greater, more powerful, more mightier, more awesome than our God, our Christ, our Lord Jesus. So you can stop looking. Look no more. The Messiah has come. They wanted to see some, but his hour wasn't yet. It was customary for the Jews to look for the Messiah, to anticipate his coming. But they were looking in the wrong place. They had preconceived notions of how he should come. And when they do that, you miss him. When you look for Jesus in the way you think he should come, dressed in what you think he should come in, you will miss him. So the question to you, is your assessment of Jesus distorted by your unbelief? Is your assessment, is your conclusion, is what you have come up with of Jesus, is it distorted? Is it compromised by your unbelief? Do you truly believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Not just because of the miracles, don't focus on the miracles, focus on the Messiah, not just because of the works and signs, but because of the words and his spirit. Do you believe? Is your assessment distorted? Check it out. Check your assessment of Jesus. Do you believe when things are going good, but when things are not going good, you don't believe? That's a distortment. Do you believe that he loves others more than he loves you? If that's what your assessment is, that's distorted. If you think he can't forgive you for your sins, but he forgives others because you're too bad, you come from a bad family, you come from bad stock, you've done too many bad things in your life, if you think he can't forgive you and renew you and restore you and save you, then your assessment of Jesus is distorted. Hallelujah. He can and will save you if you believe in him and call on him. So our second part, do you hear what I hear? Do you hear what I hear? Verse 32, the Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I am with you only for a short time, and then I am going to the one who sent me. Now remember who sent him. It was his father. So he's talking about the ascension. He's talking about he will be ascended to the father. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. You cannot come. The time is not. You cannot come because of your unbelief. You cannot come because you don't believe in the one who sent me. You don't believe that I am the Messiah. Jesus speaks of his physical, that, that even a short time that he will disappear out of their sight. Because um, remember, God always had a way of escape for Jesus when they wanted to kill him, when they wanted to push him over the, over the mountain, over the edge. God always had a way of escape for him. But Jesus was speaking in spiritual. He says, you will not be able to come. Now, we know later in, in chapter 14 where Jesus talks about where I go, you will, you will also go and you will know the way. So because we believe, we know the way. Because we believe, we can go where Jesus is going. But when you don't believe, you don't have access to those things. Let's go on. The Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? 
maybe. Huh? This, is what they're, this is what they're assessing. What did he mean when he said, you will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Because, again, of your unbelief. Because you don't hear what I hear. Because you're not hearing what those who believe are hearing. You're hearing what you want to hear. So my question to you, are you missing him because you are not listening to him? We got to listen to him. If we don't listen to him, we will miss him. And again, people of God, don't expect it always to be so dramatic. Listen to that still, small voice that's speaking to your heart and that's speaking to your spirit. He is saying, I am the Messiah. I am the promised one. I am the anointed one. I am Emmanuel. I am God with you. I am Jesus. Hallelujah. Believe in me. Receive me. And then you can come where I am going. Our third portion. Do you know what I know? What do you know, people? What do you know? Do you know that he's the Messiah? Do you know that he's the king? Do you know that he's the promised savior? Do you know that? Or do you question that? Listen to what he says here, verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the feast, of the festival, this is the last day, and it's the greatest day, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, okay, loud voice, okay, so, Sometimes when I'm I'm teaching, I get loud. So it's okay to get loud because Jesus did with a loud voice. This is what he said. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. All right. Here Jesus is with a loud voice says, let anyone who is thirsty, no matter what your background is, no matter what kind of family stock you come from, no matter how bad you've been, if you are thirsty, come and drink and I will give you rivers of living water, which means his spirit, the Holy Spirit. He will give rivers of living water that will bring life to death, that will bring light to darkness, that will bring peace to chaos. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, it will bring a praise in your life. Glory to God. He says, you that are thirsty. Remember what he said in the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. He says, if you thirst, hunger and thirst after righteousness, you shall be filled. Hallelujah. This is the invitation of rivers of living water. Like he said to the woman at the well, he says, you will have rivers of living water flowing up. You will never have to come back to this well again to quench your thirst in life. Do you want that living water? Jesus offers it to you. It says um, the, the, the reference to this in, in verse 37. Um, come in Isaiah 55 one. Come all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters and you who have no money. Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Ah, without cost, because Jesus paid the price. He was the cost. He purchased, he redeemed us, but he invites, come drink freely 
Don't worry about paying. Just come. I offer this life abundantly. I offer this life because my father loved you, the world that he gave me. And I gave my life that whoever believes in me will not perish, but have everlasting life. And I am inviting you to receive this life. There's an old Sprite commercial. Many years ago, it says image is nothing. Thirst is everything. Obey your thirst. So I'm encouraging you, people, if you're thirsting for him, obey it and seek him. Accept his invitation. Let him in your heart. Invite him into your life and he will give you rivers of living water. Glory to God. So on hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is a prophet, is the prophet. Others said he is the Messiah. So we have a divided audience still. Some have given him a little cred. He's the prophet. Eh, okay, I'll give you this much. You're the prophet. And others went all the way and said, no, he is the Messiah. <laughs> he is the anointed one. He's not just a prophet speaking, speaking words and things are, 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 are falling into place and coming to pass. But he's the Messiah. He's the master of miracles. He's the master of life. He's the master of joy. He's the master of peace. He is the Messiah, the one we anticipate, the one we look for, the one that will bring new life to us. Glory to God. But not all the people liked that some said he was the Messiah. Others gave him some credit, said he was a prophet. But it says still others asked. This is what they asked. How can the Messiah come from Galilee? Hmm? Right? Okay, look. When Jesus was talking about that water and that spirit, I, I, I want to catch this. Acts 2 and 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That's the Spirit I'm talking about. The, liver, the rivers of living water. That's what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit. It came. Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be witnesses of me all over the world. All right. So here it is. They're asking, how can the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one come from Galilee? Does not the scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus, the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. The, the reference to that scripture, Micah 5, 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Aphrata, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me, one who is to be true ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Now, here it is. You, Judah, too small. Jesus goes for the underdog. He goes for those who don't get the credit or those that, that are esteemed lowlier. He goes for the underdog. Jesus comes for you. So if you've ever felt you were not as good or you were the underdog or you were a little bit lower, you were not as uh, not better or you just felt less about yourself. I'm not talking about, uh, uh, um, you, you know, you're, you're thinking to the place where you can't even uh, seek out help. I'm talking about that you just thought, Others were better than you. Jesus said, I'm coming for you. You who are humble, you who are who are meek, you that are that know that you don't have the answers. You that know you need a savior. You that know you need a Lord. You that know you need someone to bring life into you. I'm coming for you. Those that put you down, those that put you aside, those who cast you down. That's not who I come. I come for you. The put aside. And the ostracized. I love you and I'm coming to you. You that are heavy laden and burdened. You that are weary. You that are down in distress and depressed. I'm coming 
for you. Will you come and receive this life that I have for you? My question is, are you confident about who he is? Are you confident about who he is? The people weren't. Some were, some eh, and some still were asking questions. It's okay. Listen, it's okay to ask questions because questions is a place of sincerity. You're asking because you want to be convinced. You want to know that he is. So I'm not putting you down if you're not confident. Is what I'm saying is that move from confidence to conviction. Move, don't, uh, move from your non-confidence to being convicted that he is the Messiah. All right? So if you lack the confidence, I want to encourage you to trust in him, to give him a try and know and let him show you that he is the Lord and that he is the Messiah. So be confident, be confident and be convicted that he is Christ. Next portion at verse 45, this is the report and the retort. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priest. Remember, they were sent to go arrest him. So finally, they come back and the Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? Why are you coming back empty handed? Where is the man that we sent you to arrest? Where is he? No one ever spoke the way this man does. The guards replied or reported. This is what they reported. No one ever spoke the way this man does. This man speaks life. This man's words changed destinations, trajectories. This man's words shifts paradigms. This man's words turns hate into love. This man's words turn darkness into light. This man's words turns, turns chaos into peace. This man's words transcends all understanding. This man's words gives hope in a hopeless situation. This man's words heals marriages and heals families. This man's word brings hope to all who hear. Hallelujah. This man's words, there's something different. I've heard the Pharisees. I've heard the Jewish leaders. I've heard some of the rabbis. I've heard others speak, but there's something about this man's words. It's filled with life. It's filled with spirit. It's filled with power. It's filled with authority. And no one speaks the way this man speaks. <laughs> their, their retort or their pushback was, you mean he has deceived you too? He's also deceived you? They retorted. He said, has any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed in him? Now they're worried about, has he gotten to the Pharisees and the other uh, Jewish leaders? Has his word um, um, changed them and turned them to? The guards answer, no. But this mob who knows nothing of the law, there's a curse on them. No, they're just being changed. They're just being, uh, uh, um, um, they're light. They're being enlightened. They're coming into light. But they look at it as they're being cursed. No, they're coming into the knowledge, into the light of the Messiah, of Jesus' words that brings life, that brings abundant life, that brings eternal life. His words are life giving glory to God. And this is what the, the guards, they weren't looking to be changed. They weren't looking to be impressed by his words. But because his words are that powerful, they were impressed. 
that they reported it. So much that Jesus' words begin to concern the other Pharisees and the leaders. He says, are they also believing? I say, no, they're not believing. <laughs> but give it time. You know, I don't know how many of you were changed or changed, you changed your, your ways when you heard the first time. I know I didn't. When I heard the words of Christ the first time, I didn't change. I didn't go running up to the altar to be saved. No. But I can tell you this. I was never the same after I heard his words for the first time. See, a person may not be a, become a believer that day. But when they hear the words of Jesus Christ, something changes in them. They will never, ever be the same. I often say this, that you go fishing and you, you hook a fish and you bring that fish in. And as soon as you get it up to the shore, it falls off the hook and goes back into the water. You say, ah, I lost that one. You might have lost it, but that fish will never swim the same again because it's been hooked. And when you've been hooked by the word of God, when you've been touched by the word of God, you will not be the same because that word will work with you. That word will be in you. Amen. So here Nicodemus is. Remember Nicodemus, the man that came to Jesus at night and Jesus said, marvel not that you must be born again. And Nicodemus went into all this natural talk and everything about going back into the mother's womb. And Jesus said, no, born of the spirit, born of water. You know, he, Jesus went. So Nicodemus, <laughs> one of their own who had gone to Jesus early and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? Right. Isn't a man innocent until proven guilty? What Nehemiah, um, Nicodemus is, 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 is speaking up, is, is talking. Yes, because when Nicodemus came in contact with Jesus, it changed him. It changed his paradigm. He was not the same Nicodemus. Ha! Huh. He changed because there's my proof because of the word of Jesus. He might not have became a disciple or a follower right then, but because of Jesus's words, he was changed that he's speaking up for Jesus. He's saying, doesn't our law say that we must hear the man first before we condemn him? Why are we condemning him and we have not heard about it? Yes. Jesus said, don't judge me unrighteously, but judge me correctly. Don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge a person by their background, their stock, where they came from, their name, their neighborhood, whatever they've done in their life, their past. Don't judge them by that. But judge them by what Christ is doing now. And better yet, look at your life and how Christ has changed you. If he can change me, he can change you out there. Yes, he can. So his word. He has given us the word. Jesus is the word. Remember, John, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. He is the word. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. He is the Christ. And he offers himself to you. His word. So they replied, are you from Galilee, too? Look into it and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. <laughs> a prophet does not come out of Galilee. He's from a poor place and a prophet. The Messiah cannot come from Galilee. Nicodemus was changed. Some of the crowd. 
Not everyone was changed. They began to see and begin to believe. The guards that went to arrest him were changed. Not that they became believers, but they were changed because they heard the words and they recognized something different. So my question to you, does Jesus's words mesmerize you too? Does it baffle you? Does it, uh, does it, does it mess with your, your, your theories and your thoughts and your philosophies and, <laughs> and, and your, your schools of thought? Does it, does it make you say, hmm, yes, his words are powerful and they will shake you up. They'll make you think twice. They'll make you take another look because that's his word. It says, some people say it's, it's, not, it's not hypnotism. You're not hypnotized. No, it's the Holy Spirit working in your heart and agreeing with your spirit that you will receive and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And his word is here for you. And he can be your Lord and your Savior today. He offers himself to you for you to believe on him today. The Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. So you out there, you want to give your life and your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Because the Bible declares that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I am no better than you. But the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. God demonstrated his love to us while we were sinners. Christ, the word, died for us. So whoever calls on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Will you pray this prayer with me today? Let's pray. Dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. Forgive me for all my sins. Jesus Christ is the son of God. He died for my sins. He rose for my life. Today, by grace, through faith, I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we want to know. We want to know if you are a new believer in Jesus Christ. Let us know so we can continue to pray for you. God bless you. Again, thank you so much for joining us. May you have a blessed and happy new year. God bless you.